If you're a business owner, it can be tough to hire top talent. But when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, you can get qualified candidates sent to you. Then you can easily invite your top choices to apply. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. That's Bad Christian. Now to try ZipRecruiter for free. Matt and Toby. <laughs> I forgot about that. Lunsford's wow. got Lunsford's got a beer, and I've got cannabis. So, what are you sober, Scott? I don't think you drink, or any, do you? Yeah, no, I drink and I have fun with what you're doing. You're right there too, but I'm. It's usually like it's pretty few and far between. I drink more than anything, though. Fuck yeah. I do too, but we're doing this challenge, so I have a, <laughs> yeah, have a fresco with so. bitters. Oh, that's nice. I and just I have also, a water. And I also have a Budweiser Zero. <laughs> Dude, I'm double fisting non-alcoholic beverages. <laughs> that's how much what? I what miss you? alcohol. <laughs> what are you hoping will happen? What is your... Like, I get fucked up. <laughs> like, that, wouldn't that be amazing if, like, there was no alcohol and I was gone in, like, 20 minutes from now? That would be my biggest dream in the world. I mean, it would be so great, one hundred percent. Now it's just you know, I'll I'll take a hit from the pen and uh, drink a Budweiser Zero, and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. There's something about <laughs> I, I think alcohol is the most evil drug. I I am certain it is the one because it is so wonderful. It is just wonderful. Everything. I mean. It they call that a, drug of choice. Everybody feels that way about theirs. <laughs> you, I mean, it, it's crazy how much, like, okay, think about it this way, too. It found its way to being legal. <laughs> I mean, that has to be evil. There, if, if there is Satan or evil spirits or some uh, underbelly realm spiritual world, alcohol is legal. I mean, it destroys so much, right? I mean, it, and and yet... It's so wonderful. Like it is crazy. Like I mean, it can it can destroy families. It can help murder. It can uh, make you forget things that you need to remember. It can. Do, I mean, you know. But also, it it's really awesome. makes hanging out with your buddies fun. <laughs> <laughs> so they weigh the pros and the cons. and go legalize it. I guess on that. I know. Yeah. I mean, well, they tried to make it illegal, and everybody's like, no, no. <laughs> we'll we'll okay. Take take away the cocaine. Take away the heroin. Okay, okay. We get it. We'll let, don't you Do it. dare go near my Budweiser. <laughs> we'll pay income tax. Bring tax back it. Whatever it takes to keep it in the grocery store and gas station. Please, God, do it. And well, it they might be in the ahead. pandemic. They made a bunch of you know they loosened the rules so that people could get it and take out because I mean. People have to have it. Like if yeah. people, oh, you the only thing to. worse than alcohol is when you don't get don't, the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> then it's real bad. So well, you know, it's like it, people can die from that, and it causes rage and violence and every other thing too. So you had to let the people get their alcohol. NPA, maybe three years ago, is when they actually started selling in in stores. 
Like you had oh, to go really? to like, yeah, you had to go to a specific like liquor store to get yeah, anything. Like the red dot store or whatever. ABC yeah. Store. Now, now it's, you can go anywhere and, and get beer and stuff, but it wasn't like that for the longest the, time here. That's so wild because it's, like, yeah. I, I feel like you, uh, growing up cause you grew up in the Pennsylvania area, right? Pennsylvania, West mm-hmm. Virginia area, whatever. Yep. And so you're kind of out there and your upbringing, even though I would, me growing up in South Carolina, I would have thought, oh, those Pennsylvania people, all I could ever have thought was Philadelphia and scary. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that, I just thought, <laughs> oh, that is. that is nothing. Yeah, it, that's partially true. But, yeah. uh, but I would have never have thought how rural and Christian and rules. I mean, the, oh, the what man. was the, what was the, uh, governor that had, that got us into the White House? Santorum. Because, it wasn't yeah, the White House. San- it was the Santorum. Capital. Yeah, it was, oh, a, he was yeah. a senator. Maybe I don't. I think he might have been senator. No, 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 Rick was, Santorum, right? Rick yeah, he Santorum? was. He, yep, he was senator for PA. Yeah, yeah, he brought us to the Capitol and gave us all these like conservative materials because we were influencers in the world and going to be out there. And it was some stuff about abortion, some other stuff. It was like oh, all these, my they were all these materials because they they told us they brought us in this office and said. Uh, you know, politics doesn't change things. It's culture and influence and these. So we want you to have these materials and read up on this because you're going to be out there. You're meeting people. You're doing stuff. You're out on the road, you know, whatever. And I mean, that like, propaganda, wow. I didn't even realize it. At that At that time, I was like, this is so cool. A senator thinks my band is awesome. That's all I thought. <laughs> oh. I didn't think he was thinking. I mean, he was right, though. You can yeah. influence. That is the way to oh, influence yeah. culture. Yeah, it's. I mean, legislation does very little, but if you can make, I mean, look at look at what's going on now. If you make people, <laughs> if you do it, if you do that. But the, my favorite thing about Santorum is he said something super like shitty to, or like I mean, that dude says a lot of shitty stuff. But like, yeah. was it was it Savage Mike? Uh, not I forget his first name. Michael Savage. Michael. Yeah, Savage. they got the guy that did Savage Love and all that Dan shit. Dan Savage. Dan oh. Yes, Dan, yeah. that's it. But he, I forget what they, it was some like sex act that they started having called Santorum. If you go online and like look up Santorum, like this like fucked up sex act comes up. Oh, really? <laughs> instead of, yeah, instead of his <laughs> they name. They named it Santorum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what it was though. It's great because that dude's just like, ugh. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure. So we were, I, I guess we had played probably the 930 Club in DC okay. the night the night before, and then we found out Tooth and Nail. I think is the one that told us, "Hey, Rick, this this Senator Rick Santorum <sighs> wants to bring you in." And I think it was it was us and Amberlynn. It might I think Amber, that time. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure Amberlynn went yeah. with us. I might be mixing that up with the Sirius XM thing where we did that that time too. In actually in uh. Washington DC when we it did might have series. been the same time yeah, period I think it was tour, yeah. but wow. they, I mean I couldn't believe it because I thought my my band is take like because we did the underground thing too where you walked mm-hmm. went underneath to the next area building whatever and we went into this oh, office man. and I just this we were like oh my god this is really serious and then I I didn't even think about at the time I just thought oh yeah this is a Christian guy it's, it's just because it felt very much like. Uh, church like uh when uh john piper's sent someone to our minneapolis show and gave us a bunch of christian books because <laughs> he oh he's in I'm minneapolis ask, you know it felt the wow. same way with santorum so i'm gonna really have to crazy. ask i'll ask steven about that because that that would be fantastic to talk to him about if if that if amberlin was the one that the other band oh, that yeah. did it that's yeah. incredible <laughs> are you are you friends with with those guys how, how, oh how yeah you know the amberlin guys I, i've known joey and well Actually, everybody in the 
pretty much Joey, Devin, and um, or Dion. Did I seriously say Devin? You, Dion. Well, you're thinking our Devin. Yeah, it's your Devin. Um, Joey, Dion, and Steven since, my God, it's been, f- like, it was right when Anne Berlin started. Because we did, me and Russ did this really, really horrible, like, emo band for fun. And Under Oath took us out, like, on our first tour. Oh, wow. With this little weird emo band. And it was Anne Berlin's first tour. So I, but I knew Steven and Joey from when they were doing Sago 24 seven. Is that what the yeah. thing was? So Service I knew that after from, God's own heart 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I knew them from that. And yeah, so I've been friends with those dudes. I Dion, I'm going to, I'm such a piece of shit. No, because we were just talking about Devin. Ben, yeah, we were talking about, but yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so I've known those guys since then. So it's been probably like 2000, 2002, 2001 that I really like became pretty close with those guys. Yeah. Uh, Steven, I think it's just a actual pastor now, <laughs> right? I yeah. Think I he's think just so. like a pastor of a church. He was like a yeah. worship leader and now he's gone full on in. He's, he has a yeah, new worship in. album too. And it's like, yeah. I mean, he, he looks like in form, like it's, it's wow. his, you know, it's his, him on the, like you should look it up. It's cool. Looking. It's like yeah, a Christian artist and it's just him as a, Owning it as a Christian artist, kind of thing on the cover wow. all the way. He should, yeah, it's all the He's way. going you all the way. Cover. I have to check that yeah. out. He, <sighs> yeah, he he probably is going to a, because of being in a band. Like he did, he's moved from fame, like big fame, now to lesser fame. Probably more influence, but lesser fl- fame, maybe. So uh, with his new job as being a pastor, so I, he probably has a good chance of escaping scandals, right? Because he knows. What to do? He's, he's, I mean, he's been honing, you know what I mean? Because a lot of pastors get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, yep. I think, and also, is he going, is it Pastor Christian or Pastor Arnold? Because his last yeah. name is legally Stephen Arnold, right? Exa- yeah, that's right. So, so I, I wonder which one he is. He's probably doing this. Well, I, I, I think how can you Stephen, not? I think it's Yeah, how can Stephen you not do Christian? Christian? Yeah. yeah, how can you it's not like do like the pastor that? is the worship artist, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think the, that's, that's the persona. True. <laughs> I love so it. no no oh. Arnold that makes sense like you would have like he he has to keep Christian yeah yeah it works I mean it totally works it works all the right. way around he's he, he'd he's, have to be Arnold if he was somewhere where they call you brother instead of pastor right you know brother Arnold brother Arnold that would work yeah that sounds <laughs> yeah that sounds better than brother Christian yeah but pastor brother Christian, Christian. Definitely. yeah sister Sister Christian, he's done the most Christian stuff of any person besides Jesus. His name is Christian. His name is <laughs> he Christian. Has to. Now there Who's also done more? well, you you know there also is another member of his band named Christian also. So it's just right. really in oh, the, yeah. it's just their guitar player. The whole, player, you know, right? the, whole yeah. the whole thing is all is all Christian stuff, you know, all the way around. And they were able to wow. not. There was a period of time because he was in. <laughs> They were searching after God's own heart 24-7. Yes. And then for a while, they, they did Amber Lynn, which was like yeah. the least Christian thing, but then pastor worship album. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. in the whole spectrum, it's Christian, Stephen Christian. It's all my cons- favorite, pretty consistent. Dude, my favorite thing about that, too, is when we were on tour with them, I can't remember for sure, but I know that there is a porn star named Anne Berlin. <laughs> and we joked because I, the band the band name we had was like 
porn star sounding. <laughs> so I think we were like, do you guys know? Like, is that where you got your name? <laughs> They're like, what? No, we don't know that. Well, Scott, I'm glad you joined us to talk shit on everybody tonight. This is good. Mm-hmm. This is our, our, our little community. So what can you tell it. us about the Juliana theory? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want me to get started. <laughs> I can't do that one. <laughs> Leave the fifth. <laughs> We're just joking. But people would love that, though. Like if 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 you really let loose and shit on some of the bands that you knew or band dudes that you were shitty, like people always want to know that. Like when we do our songs, when we do our songs and stories uh, shows, <laughs> that's they, like, they, they go inevitably. A person go, who was the best and worst band you ever toured with? You know, they'll say, they'll ask that question over and over and over. And when you say the best, they go, oh neat, and then they're just ready to hear something bad. Everybody loves it. Yeah, everybody loves it. Yeah. And uh, we would always, for some reason, our band, we were pretty, we got really lucky. Most bands we toured with, you know, if we, if we didn't like somebody, they usually weren't around anyway or something like that. But Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. the one, uh, there was always, people would ask us and we'd go, come on, come on. Because they could see in our face. For some reason, we would say, well, he was just, we didn't know. He seemed to be. Uh, we, uh, Craig from Chiotas. <laughs> that was. We said that one for years when people would ask because you know it's like I mean he wasn't he tr- he tr- he was as nice as he could be to us, but I mean there was some I mean uh, him them and uh, scary kids scaring kids kind of got into it a little bit. They just they were not getting along. Uh, wow. It was us and Chiotas and Scary Kids. And, uh, you know, he was just, there was something, there was just something there. I don't know. But. <laughs> That's really strange. The only dude that I ever, honestly, out of all the tours we've ever done, the only dude that, like, rubbed me kind of in a weird way, and it was sort of, like, our fault, but, like, still. So we toured with Shadows Fall a couple times, and Brian Fair and, like, the other dudes were always unbelievable. Like, Brian's, on like, the, probably the reason why Zayo even went on tour with them. But their drummer, and I don't even remember his name, but he's like sort of like a famous drummer. Too. I can't remember what, what the hell his name is. He was such a prick. Dude, we got on like we, the first day of tour, Steve at that point, because it was Funeral of God time, we, he just got his drum set and he was setting it up and he was like playing it, not real loud, but it was backstage, it was a big area. He was playing it. And this dude like got super pissed off, came over to us and said, could you please not play your drums? This is my massage hour. And he literally had somebody in there massaging him. Oh my gosh. And like, I'm like, it was the oh weirdest God. thing. He was just such a, ah. Oh, and I don't even know if he plays with them now. I'm not sure. What but everybody it, he, else. He was the drummer of Shadows Fall. Yeah, the drummer of Shadows Fall. So it's either uh, David German or Jason Bittner. I don't know. Bittner. Don't that's it. Bittner? It was that one. It was that dude. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. But like, everybody else was awesome. <laughs> Lunsford, who's yours? When you uh, toured with ACB, do I have anybody that you just didn't get along with? Dredge did not like us very much. Oh, really? Yeah, they didn't like they didn't like that we were even and we didn't act we didn't even act weird or Christian or anything. Yeah. We like partied in Vegas super hard with like, but they just didn't like that we were there. I think their manager kind of pushed for us to be on the tour. And wow. they were they're kind of dicks. But and then the bled, they just had weird vibes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's just not, 
don't know, just weird Arizona people. You just couldn't talk to them. Weird yeah. Arizona. They people. thought they were really cool. I guess that's what I didn't like. Yeah. I think they thought they were very cool. And they have the, a, a standoffish ab- yeah. ability to seem standoffish in environments I've seen. Yeah, and but I've, I've also the seen story, pretty cool too. Well, I've told the story about the bass player four weeks in the tour. We were at an after party together, and he didn't know who didn't I was. Know that you were yeah. on tour with him. <laughs> Whenever I said something like, "Oh yeah, at our show the other night," blah blah blah. Oh, what band are you in? I'm like, "I'm on tour with you." Right? I, I said, "As cities burn," and he goes, "Oh shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. We had a party night with Dredge one time in Buffalo where we played oh, yeah. together for some reason on one show at the Buffalo Icon, and then we just went out, 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 just us and Dredge. It was awesome. It was they like, had fun? You, you liked them? Yes. They're, I mean, we we, we yeah, went, cool. just us and them, just <laughs> band members of both bands, and we went yeah. out for like three hours to different bars in Buffalo. Their drummer, Dredge's drummer, They were good. just crazy. He was really good. Yeah. He, and he, good. Wasn't a, he wasn't a dick or anything. I, I, it's so weird. They just I, they did not like yeah. us, I don't think. Something about us they didn't like. So that's the thing. It's just that you get a weird vibe and then you just avoid people or stay away from the, for a whole tour. And they might not be that way. You know what I mean? The funniest bad guy ever was, uh, I just remembered was the drummer from slow coming day. Remember that guy that would, he would like almost fight or kill a member like (laughs) several times a tour. (laughs) Uh, Orion told us like, he, Orion kind of talks like this and he's like, yeah. Uh, what what was their uh, bass player that was really cool? He's Randy. Real, Randy. He's a really mm-hmm. really little guy. Super. I mean, the friendliest, jolliest. He's a really sweet guy. I mean, he's fun, R- but you know, small. Wouldn't hurt a fly or whatever. They said uh, Ryan came. Uh, he was like, yeah, I came around uh, from the van to the back of the trailer. And what was the name of that drummer? I cannot. Rusty remember. was his name. Rusty was the drummer. No, what was the about Rusty name? from Beautiful Mistake? He yes. was in Copeland. Yeah. You say same guy? Same guy, yeah. Oh, I was about to say you Oh, know, wait, Rusty. wait. Oh, am I am I mixing no, the uh, same Orion guy. with Aaron Marsh? No, same guy. They've been same guy. both. Yep. Same well, guy. Well they said he said he uh Orion said he came around the back and he had the their little bass player, whatever his name is. Randy. And who was the drummer though that was the crazy? Rusty. One? Rusty was crazy. Oh. What ba- but what band is this you're talking about? He slow was coming with, days. He was slow he coming days. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. After he all right, was you're telling this. All right, this whole story I was going to tell you about Rusty from Copeland. <laughs> oh yeah, it's him. <laughs> okay. So Orion, Orion said he comes around. He has Randy pinned up against the back of the trailer, and one of his tom legs holding above his head, saying, "I'm gonna fucking kill you, motherfucker! You never <laughs> do that again, you piece of shit! You mother!" And he was just screaming, "Motherfucker!" over and over with the drum leg, gonna hit him. And we were like, "What did you do?" And he said something like, uh, "It was, it was like nothing. It just set, it just He's set Rusty temper, off. He had a temper problem. It, he was, said nothing. You know. He said something like, uh, uh, man, can you move your drum so I can get my.'" <laughs> Amping or something. It was something that simple, and he had, and he, they, they said they were so scared of him, and but I think both bands had to figure out how to fire him because they were scared he would hurt them, well, literally. So he was on the beautiful with beautiful mistake when we toured with them and Dead Poetic, yeah. And he was telling me about getting kicked out of Copeland. Oh, really? He told me this insane story. <laughs> he told me like how he acted or something. Yeah, and then was like. And can you believe that? Can you believe they fucking kicked me out? It's fucking bullshit. I'm like, dude, you're a psycho. And he got kicked out on the on that tour we were on. He got kicked out a beautiful mistake because apparently he tried to fight Josh the singer, right, or something, or tried to fight somebody in the band on they the tour. Wow, human. Wow. I mean, it, it's insane. 
Anyway. Wow. <laughs> Good drummer. Good drummer. Well, you got to be to keep getting work and uh, like that. <laughs> Damn it, he's going to kill us, but he he's always, really can play the drums. <laughs> he's got a pocket, man. He stays right in there. Well, uh, if we were talking about partying and my drinks, I'm almost done with my Budweiser Zero. The reason I'm drinking that, you know, is because the Knuckle Breaker Challenge. Lunsford, I guess you're not doing it because you're drinking regular beer. Yeah, well, I went to Mexico and I was just, I can't, you know. We'll talk about your Mexican vacation here in a minute. <laughs> but first, so we got so much stuff going on. The reason I mentioned the challenge is not to, uh, uh, it's too late for you to sign up, but just to tell you, it's one of the, just one simple thing that's going on at Knuckle Breakers. And then uh, there's also, you can, let me tell you what was going on. We got Rub Some Dirt. It's coming, Matt. I'm doing a bad job at this. I That's really all right. Apologize. Toby's trying to shift in tone from casual conversation yep. to Let's something see. that we call yeah. the CTA list. It's the call to action list, and it's just I'll, whatever okay. things we have that we're trying to, you know, gently right. work into the hour and a half podcast. And this is just, a, <laughs> this is just a slightly more abrupt transition than that that, that Toby's stumbling through. All right, um, let me. I can fix it right now. Yeah, I think you can. I'm I'm going to read this as Rusty. <laughs> God. <laughs> You better become a fucking knuckle breaker at knucklebreakers.co. I'm going to fucking kill you if you don't to get two extra podcasts a week. You get two extra podcasts a week if you don't fucking join the knuckle breakers, knucklebreaker, damn it, dot co, then you will be. Is that any good? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Our fucking new record is called Rub Some Dirt on It, and it's being released on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking at, Lunsford? You bitch! <laughs> People are saying that "Rub Some Dirt on It" is Emory's em- biggest release since "Shallow Seas." People are saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's written in the copy. Who are these it? people? How did we find them? What? I guess they're in knucklebreakers.co. You get two extra podcasts a week and a, uh, our whole catalog and everything. What else by do the you way. want? Good God! What else? Could- <laughs> You can see the new album exclusively on Knuckle Breakers YouTube, November 23rd. Good God. <laughs> Speaking of Copeland, <laughs> we're hosting a Knuckle Breaker back. Damn it. We, we have inserted Knuckle Breaker very loosely. I mean, we've been loose with it. We we it, it's going on everything. We got we're the trying it out. Knuckle Breaker Challenge. We got the knucklebreakers.co. That's our website, I guess. We got... Uh, the Knuckle Breaker Bash in Kansas City on Friday, <laughs> December 10th. I took the Lord's name in vain a lot just a minute ago. So yeah. I know Scott. It was like six. I think it was yeah, six you're, times. You're, you're, you're okay, but I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably. Already, right? probably, yeah. I'm probably going <laughs> to hell for that one. Uh, Aaron Marsh from Copeland is headlining. And then you got Aaron Sprinkle as well, and Chris Keene and Emery. Our band is also playing. It's an acoustic, intimate night. There's only 150 people allowed in the door. So we're making this really special. It's for all you Furnace Fest folks wanting to get back together and all you knuckle breakers and all you people that aren't in those yet, you bastards, join today. Uh, and we'll also, we're doing a Songs and Stories in St. Louis on December 9th. So we'll, Emory, just Emory, will be playing December 9th in St. Louis. And... <laughs> You don't have to do them all. They're just Not, there. Too late. <laughs> too late. I'm going all the way. I, you, I'm like a Kramer when the gas tank was on E. Yeah. And, and, and they're going. at the exit, and the guy goes, yeah. well, this is our exit. We should do it. And he goes, let's just go, man. Something like that. 
We're selling custom songs. We've written well over 100 custom songs in the last few years, and uh, it's one of our favorite things to do. So we write these custom songs, and they usually we usually sell the most uh, of them because people want them for Christmas. So in this so Christmas time, it's a great Christmas gift. I mean, it can be a Christmas song, but it can be a song with your lyrics or you tell us a little bit about your story and we'll turn it into a song. You can go to emorymusic.com and buy that custom song today. And then what do you think the last thing on this call to action list is? Lunsford, do you have a guess? I know it's going to be the cock shop. But, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. 10% off the cock the, shop. The, the dildo <laughs> shop, sorry. Mar- marriagesupply.com. Use BCPOD for 10% off all vibrators, all cock rings, all lubes, all anal things, all vaginal, all penal, all sexual. MarriageSupply.com. Use promo code BCPOD. Very smooth. 10%. Very, very smooth. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Toby. Scott, that, there's two things I want to talk about um, here, and I'll let you choose which. But we've, we've Toby's call to action uh, has brought both of them up. One is the distance we've traveled from the last time you were on BC Pod. Mm-hmm. With Toby, that string of GDs he just laid in the mm-hmm. ad oh, was striking. When I think about where we would have been last time we were on the pod, probably shocking to even – I think that's probably even harsh on some of our current listeners' ears. So we might <laughs> Kind of put a hey, bleep defense, on those, that was rusty. You know? That wasn't me. Okay. That was rusty. Uh, okay, got it. <laughs> got it. Um, I would never so, do that. <laughs> so I kind of want to have that conversation, but then also talking about Furnace Fest and all that stuff. We just hung with you at Labeled Fest and Furnace mm-hmm. Fest the other day, and I know that was on your mind. You said you hadn't even got to talk about it yet, and was yeah. it too too old to talk about now? And you know, it's if you hadn't talked about it, I think anybody would be you know, wise to get your reflections on. If you've not had the opportunity to speak on Furnace Fest, I'm proud to give you that uh, opportunity now to have that debrief conversation. I like it. It was pretty awesome. I enjoyed it. And the Zayo, you know, moment that we had there was a big one for us watching. So thank you for that. No, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, But yeah, either one, I'm cool with whatever. Um, Just roll with that Furnace Fest and then we'll do the spiritual stuff and atheism and all that next. Okay. Uh, Yeah, Furnace Fest was... You know how, like, I think the one thing about it that made me really happy was all of us, I think, probably looked forward to it that whole time before you get there, right? But as you know, being in the world we're in, anytime I get, like, excited about anything, it's always a piece of shit when you get there. Like, something will disappoint you and it'll just, like, ruin your whole time. Because I'm I'm like the guy that's like, oh, maybe I'll meet a cool band and all the bands I like and they'll be nice to me and they're never nice, you know, or something (laughs) stupid like that. So, but Furnace Fest was like literally above my expectation. Like things that like that whole, and it sucked because we weren't even there all three days. Like we were only able to be there the day we played. Um, But it was just perfect. It was, and it, I don't know how they did it, but it really felt like how the Furnace Fest did before. Because like all the, like every festival we've done, I'm sure you guys are going to agree since this, like all, I guess maybe since all of this whole scene has kind of morphed into like a bigger setting. So like some of these festivals that we've done were like way too, like, I don't want to say pro. Cause like, I think 
Fertis Fest was super professional, but like almost like too corporate. Like it was like you get there and it's like, this is what you can do. And like, oh, you can't go in this section because this guy's here and, you know, all that kind of. And mm-hmm. Furnace Fest was just like, hey, here's your ticket or here's your wristband and you can do everything. And it didn't matter. Like I was able to like walk over and be on stage watching Cave In. I thought somebody would have kicked us off and they didn't. I watched Every Time I Die. I watched End. I watched you guys like it was perfect. Like it was just like, I didn't like we, nobody. It was just like, I was hoping so. And then, yeah. And then the show doesn't even, I, I don't even know if there are words like how did, like when you guys, it's almost unfair. Cause it's like being away from playing for so long. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Was it, the experience of the, sh- of, of the, of furnace fest because it was what it was in furnace fest, or was it amplified because none of us played shows for like two years prior to furnace fest. That's definitely, so, a, a, it's definitely a combination. You know? Yeah. But what was, uh, you, I watched your set, we watched it and had a great point of view and were very focused, but that that was the thing to me was it's everybody that was there was giving their whole attention to the thing, like the moment, like it felt that everybody was doing that at the same time when a band would play and whether you're side stage or on stage or doing sound or in that crowd, the attention was so strong. That's the thing. That's the thing that I was really feeling about it and watching your set. And like you said, it was hard to describe, but I'm curious what your perception was of your set, uh, from your point of view, what was, what was that like mentally? I, it was definitely out of body experience because you, it happens and you don't really realize that it's happening, but I tried so hard just because of, you know, how long all of us have been doing this. Um, and now like with, cause I mean, Isaiah went away for a while. So like now that we've been back since like 2016 or 2015 or whatever, like every time we play, I'm like really cognizant of like living in that exact moment. So I can like really appreciate every tiny little detail of what it is. Cause you know, eventually it's going to be gone completely, but like now I know what it feels like for it to be gone for as long as it was. So like, I'm really like hyper aware of that. So like when we walked up to get ready and get everything tuned and all that. And I like, I just took a moment to like look out at everybody that was there I'm just like soak in that whole crowd experience because I mean that it it just was like a sea of people on every stage. It was, that's another thing I loved about it. Like no stage that I was at at any time of the day felt like it was less. Every place was packed. Like the, the smaller, and I don't even really like to call it smaller or whatever, but like the, all three stages were so well attended like every band i think had like a like a great time or like great crowd responses but but yeah looking out at that and like the lights and the way that because that was another thing i was worried about like i feel like to really have a good zeo experience to me it can't be light outside it has to be dark and so I was hoping, I'm like, okay, we play a little later. We're like doing right before Converge. So I think it'll be 
dark by then for sure. And, and it was, and like, and then when it just, when it starts, it's almost like, are we really doing it? <laughs> okay. We're really doing it. Okay. So that's the, that's the, the same the sense that I have observing it is there's that moment where it seems like the crowd and everybody knows what's about to happen and the anticipation's already there and all that's left is to go through with it. Yeah. But, it, and when that feeling exists, it's also feels as if the band can't make a mistake or it doesn't matter what they even play. It almost yeah. feels that the thing, the engine is turning now and it's about to just go down and then it just goes down, you know? Yeah. And when well, it's when that whole environment's pumping and everything's doing the right thing and then all of a sudden it 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 just goes. The, the thing just happens. Yeah, it's it I totally agree because it's not it it really isn't like you aren't you're not driving it as a as the band. Even like you can th- think you're driving but most shows you thing. are you're like playing c sharp and then f yeah, yeah, and, then yeah. playing the, and you got to like headbang here and try to see if you, yep. you know and you're trying to you don't have their full attention you know normally no that's true that's true yeah like i think this thing and i don't know what it was about maybe it was because of the like the type of people that came to furnace fest because it really felt like i mean i definitely felt like there were a lot of like younger kids and newer people that probably were never at the older furnace fests but it really really felt like our generation of people like mm-hmm. a lot of the people i saw like in the front like 10 rows or whatever like they looked like people that were probably in my age bracket and like people that were really like remember what that thing was like and they wanted to relive it in a way that wasn't see, that was another thing about furnace fest i don't know kind of curious to see what you guys what your take with this is but like i do remember feeling like man is furnace fest gonna feel like a nostalgia trip like are we gonna go there and it's gonna be like this just big nostalgia trip and i don't feel like that felt at all like a nostalgia trip it felt totally relevant and and i do think i give credit because i think they they got a lot of the bands of that time period but some of those bands like every time i die in the cavens like all those bands converge like all these guys are very relevant to today. So, I mean, I do think that there were some bands that played there that you know, like, like having a beloved reunion. I feel like even that wasn't nostalgic. It was, it was almost like, Hey, these guys are here, but it feels like a, almost like a rebirth for them. Right. Sort of. So, yeah. it, you know, and you guys have been playing. This is you know, there's no nostalgia there. Emery's been playing and doing everything. It's not like so. Most of the bands that I got to watch, none of them felt like they were just there. All right, if you're a business owner, it can be tough to hire top talent for your team, especially when you're competing with other businesses to find the right people. So, how can you get the hiring edge? Let me tell you, ZipRecruiter. Their invite apply feature lets you invite the best candidates to apply for your open roles. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash bad Christian. Let me tell you how invite to apply works. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, you uh, start getting the most qualified people sent to you pretty quickly. Then you can easily review recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply with one click. Next key marketing manager, Aaron Hartge, uh, loves invite to apply. She says that they get my job postings in front of the right people. I instantly see great candidates and I can invite them to apply to my job. That's what you want people. Great candidates. So you don't have to dig through the muck and the marsh and all of that. You want to find the best people for your 
business. So, in fact, also, uh, according to ZipRecruiter internal data, on average uh, for 2020, jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply get two and a half times more candidates, which helps make for a faster hiring process. Uh, Take it from Aaron, who says you can basically tell ZipRecruiter who you need, when you need it, and they deliver. Get the right person for the job. See for yourself. Go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. That's Bad Christian to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bad Christian. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I felt that way about uh, watching Mineral and Appleseed cast because Mm -hmm. they, I mean, I know we talked with Appleseed cast for a bit and they, you know, I mean, they definitely still tour. Okay. Um, but I, but uh, I thought it was really neat because I felt like I, it wasn't like, oh, man, I, I definitely remember seeing them in Charlotte when we were in mm-hmm. college and stuff. And, but it felt like I'm watching a, the band now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it felt like, oh, this this is who they are now because they just look like men and they were just rocking out and having a good time. But it didn't it was not the same band that I saw back then, really. It felt yeah. it felt like it had grown and it was a. It was a different band, same name and same dudes, but it was a different band in a way because they're older and and this is what they're doing now, and it did feel mm-hmm. relevant. Not and, a nostalgic yeah. novelty act, yeah. it was right. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. Was it wasn't like what we're all afraid of, but also long for, which is some casino circuit to pay our bills yeah. in Vegas <laughs> reg- residency or whatever. We'll yeah, take yeah. it. We'll play. We'll yeah. show up. We'll be there. But it also yeah. can be like, can can it stay? <laughs> cool and hip and can it be cool can it be does that to be low energy i mean maybe it's you know like you could turn into hawaiian shirts and be like 311 i think they kind of nailed it you know like playing uh, hawaii and stuff but you know if it could be cool that's awesome speaking yeah. of speaking about that is is uh at cities burn the most cliche band that uh for nostalgia, like they'll show up at any 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 get back together <laughs> show. I mean, if there's a oh man, we're having a festival and these bands are going to get back together for this one show, ACB will be at has every done one that of them. the most, right? They, I, mean, I don't the think most I mean, if you were going to say what band will be at a reunion show, they have to be number one. <laughs> I mean, I'd put them over under oath. And Amber Lynn, both of them quit, you know. But ACB, uh, Under Oath, will quit eventually. ACB, I guarantee it'll be ten years from now. Uh, let's get back together for the show. We gotta get we'll, okay. We'll get back I, together. I mean, I it's don't want happen. to. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You say that every time, but that's I what's interesting. That for ten years, but it's that's like shows all the time. I, in fair, I mean, literally, <laughs> right before the pandemic, we were almost a full time band. So it's not even. I don't know. They'll pull you back in again because the, the thing that's happened that's bizarre is they're like when we thought these bands and we had these bands like, oh, I'm in a band. It's my thing. We do whatever we want here. But the bands, when the people went on hiatus or whatever, especially with Spotify and the digital being so uh, have so much ability the band and entities kept on going or even growing a lot of times. Like people, even when the members weren't aren't participating with as cities burn it does go on and so it can even grow and build and have different stuff yeah. over time and then it, the demand if the demand for these this like scott's talking about the people that like it that are our age they're not going to stop liking it yeah and the, the value is there and it's like you can try to break up but good luck i mean <laughs> if people start asking and the rest of your band no, wants, I, what are you gonna be the asshole that won't when everybody else wants to get back and the fans I'm want it and be. there's money i mean it's hard to like can't, now, beloved was the band that was trying to never play again they've made it like 17 years and they yeah. you know there, there's some event 
some circumstance, some personal journey that will put everybody right back. You can't quit if you tried. I dare anybody to fucking quit. Get out of here. There's no All such right, thing. Let's do a $100 bet right now on when do you think, how old will you be, Matt, when it's your last show? Ooh. 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 I mean, it's got to be in my 60s at least. No, you're not going to be 60-something years old. Why won't I want to perform when I'm 60? Well, my Emory, fingers won't move. An Emory set. An Emory set. Well, I think well, you guys could. Why not? I don't, I don't see a mechanism for Emory to stop ever. That, I, that's what I'm saying. You can't. We never have. You won't uh, be able to. We should have. <laughs> but I'm saying, why? What would? I mean, besides a, a personal a breakdown in the relationship right. somehow, you know. Uh, yeah, but that, but yeah, but that, that doesn't. But yeah, but that wouldn't matter because you just eventually get over it. Like ten years yeah. later, you get over it. You come back when you're seventy-one. It doesn't matter. Like, what are you going to do? Have a falling out at fifty-five, and then you get a reunion at what? You know, well, sixty-two. Tony's trying well, to convince me to keep Anthony's burn going without Cody or TJ, both of our singers. No, I did. <laughs> yes, no, no, I did you and not. Matt, you and Matt on Warp Tour. No, on Warp Tour 06 or. Yeah, 05 or 06 or whatever it was, tried to convince me on the bus to just let y'all write As Cities Burn songs. Oh, yeah. And, I we, and, we, I and we'd get, yeah, we'd we get people to, to, to be yeah, in the band. And I just keep being the drummer. Should have listened. That's all I can <laughs> you're say. you're I a great know. drummer. I mean, you, you know. chose wrong by not doing it. <laughs> you could have showed them right there and then. You could have taken that band over. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could have. Yeah, I could have just taken full ownership. I guess yeah, taken yeah. the LLC and just hi- yeah hired out songwriters <laughs> and just kept kept going. Yeah, but that was when was that when uh, TJ was quitting. That's when, like, TJ was quitting, Cody was going to go be in receiving under sirens, and Colin was yeah, going to yeah. go be in Manchester oh, Orchestra. Okay. Right. And we told and, you to keep going. And I had yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, and you had nothing. They all, Cody and Colin both had <laughs> offers from Va- Manchester Orchestra. Colin can't right. play guitar. What was he going to do in that band? Go off. <laughs> and then, yeah, Cody was going to go be in receiving under sirens. And I was, I had nobody called me for anything. <laughs> they still haven't. I don't. 20 years, I don't, I don't get it. Daniel, David, Daniel Davidson gets every job I could possibly <laughs> maybe even have a shot at that I know the people. He got Color Revolt. I'm friends with Color Revolt. I met them at my second As Cities Burn show ever. They called Daniel Davidson. He got Under Oath. <laughs> yeah, Under Oath, Norma Jean, E-Tid. Yeah, Under Oath did <laughs> not call you. <laughs> not even close. Emory tried to ask me to fill in one time, and I told him I couldn't do it. <laughs> I said how I didn't think I was good enough at drums or something. And then y'all got some shitty fucking drummer that's terrible to, to fill in. I won't say his name. He's terrible, though. Anyway. For a whole tour, we got a terrible fill in. No, no, it was like we had a festival show you needed somebody for that Dave couldn't do. Yeah. Something oh, like that. We're yeah. doing a whole, oh, we'll just yeah. do 20 minutes on a guy named Rusty, but you won't say this guy's name. <laughs> 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 the drummer right, is fucking, so fucking Jake Ryan. No, oh, God, <laughs> what? I'm just. I joking. thought that's what we're doing. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Well, well, well. All right. Well, Scott. Now let's compare yeah. that furnace fest experience. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it back. <laughs> That, Our transitions Scott. are not smooth tonight. <laughs> we are not doing good at, at the transitions. 
Well, Scott, though, the mm-hmm. Furnace Fest experience mm-hmm. was a sp- like as far as shows or festivals or any of that stuff goes, it definitely was a special one. It reminded me of uh, Cornerstone 03 Zayo, which was amazing as well. Um, and so I'm sure they're similar, but also recently you've had the experience of recording that live special. Um, that Zayo mm-hmm. stream. I don't know what language you use for it. it and was I was so curious good. what the, your contrast of that it. experience was. That I think that live stream really helped us as a band like know what to work on. You know what I mean? Like because we like it was a very it was the first time we were really able to see and hear what we sounded and looked like. So like we were really after it, like we, we, we kind of took cues on like everything we did for that thing. We kind of tried to like emulate when we would play. Like, Cause we did like, we did like four shows or five shows down before we did furnace fest. And we were like incorporating, like even just how like I, the tone on my amp, was a little different but we knew because of that live stream like how me and russ's amps would work together better because getting all that stuff so i really feel like that thing like kind of like put us in a better like place to be ready for a furnace fest like experience Mm -hmm. so um but what was cool about that too is like i remember talking to russ about this because Obviously, like Russ is one of the guys that wants to hit his face off walls and shit. So we had to be reserved enough, but not be boring for that live stream. And it was really weird because you're recording. So it's not like you can just like you were saying, can't just do anything and go crazy. Because if you fuck up on that thing, (laughs) you're really going to know. So that was kind of weird to like really learn like, okay, like here's how you can have some sort of like movement, but like also be very cognizant of sounding good and helped in the same way, like for Furnace Fest, because like we definitely wanted that kind of experience to be 10 times what we did on that thing. So, but it really, I mean, I don't know how did you, did you, when you guys did yours, did it kind of key into you? Like, this is, I mean, you probably were doing that anyway. Like, say it was kind of one of the, like, it, we're such a weird thing because we don't, you know, Russ and how he plays that, like, it, you can't, I don't know how to say it, like, playing the guitar is secondary for him, right? So well, it's, it's primary almost like, for Russ. Like primary is his presence. Like whatever he's going to do as like an entertainer is his primary thing. And I mean, half the time, even before, like we did the live stream, like half the time he'd have his guitar on the ground and he'd be screaming into a microphone or something and it wouldn't even matter. So I'm like just kind of playing to make everything work. Um, But when I think the live stream really helped both of us, like really like understand this is how we, and for, after all these years, like this is what we have to do to sound like a like a really mm-hmm. keyed in unit, right? Um, and he, I, I think that he was able to then, like, okay, well, this is how far I can take my performance without like lessening 
how good we want it to sound. Sounds like a real growth experience in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, I, I mean, a lot of the time for us, like everybody's been so spread apart. So it's not like we have like everybody in one area where we can rehearse, you know, once even a week. Like we usually when we do these kind of things, we'll have, you know, Jeff will take come down from New York City and we have like four days of rehearsals. So it's never, we, we never have like solidified, we're rehearsing all the time. Um, so, but for the live stream, we did like a four day rehearsal for that and being able to hear yourself recorded in that atmosphere and that like kind of, I think that really helped us key in like how we wanted everything to work for Furnace Fest. And then, but we knew we wanted Furnace Fest to just be an explosion. So we like worked the set out to be a certain way and all that kind of shit. And it was well, different. The stream was awesome. It's just like. It I mean, so you hear fun. it's it's like a grounding thing in a way because it's mm. you're right. It's like there's albums, but that's this magical thing where you make albums, and there's live shows where, it, in a some sense, it matters more about the collective crowd than it does yep. how you play or mm-hmm. what you play. And you can feel that when you're playing live. Like, well, sometimes yeah. I'm playing live and I'm thinking, well, this clearly doesn't matter what I play, and then <laughs> obviously that's not your best playing. Anyway, um, mm. but sometimes it feels like it doesn't matter what you play, and sometimes no. it feels like it ultra does. But there's nothing that feels more like it matters than that moment of that stream. Like that's yeah, when you stream, understand yep. that there is no hiding anything mm-hmm. in this moment. And then when you realize if you stand there and act extra thoughtful, like to try to nail everything, that's going to be. Yeah, yeah. and you're not, I mean, you won't be able to like focus that hard either. So you have to lean into, you have to then create your own energy to, and then, but yet you're fully exposed. So it's like this, this highest mental tension, but it's also, it is fun. Like it's not negative. It's like, it's like really tuned in thing there. And then, and it gives you that grounding, like you said, to say, oh, so this is, you know, what, whatever it is, there's no hiding. It's like, this is what we sound like. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is what we sound like. So that's very scary. Lunsford, Ashley's a- Burns doing their working on their special right now. What what is the experience like for you? <laughs> that was just <laughs> sorry. It was awesome though, and um, the what you know. I think you guys is one of the best. I, I don't know if people can still get it or what you're doing with it commercially or how that works, but uh, we it, we are def- we have plans for something next year with it, so we're pretty excited. Good, because I don't know if who caught it or who did, but there's nowhere anybody can see it right now. No, right now we did the stream for the week, and then it, it's been pulled from every place. But we have plans for something to be released next year, and then yeah. hopefully, I mean, I don't know. Actually, that's something we can even talk about sometime, whatever. But like, because of the Furnace Fest streams going down, we, I mean, I, everybody got their footage, but I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do with ours because it like the sound did end up being kind of whatever, but we have some ideas to try to make that kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy that the, the audio issues mm-hmm. that they had. I know a lot of people. There was no multi-track audio, and so yep. there was just board mixes. But they just didn't have the foresight to know that board mixes aren't like things that sound good later. 
It just was uh, some kind of oversight, you know that. And it, and so board mixes can be okay, especially if you have a crowd mic and you get. That, but if you don't yeah. get a good crowd capture and just have a board mix, it's usually like just a bunch of dry vocals, and it's like you know, it's not flattering. Usually, it's not. That's what's so funny because we I saw some videos of our set on YouTube or whatever, and like people that had nicer cameras and like almost just use that sound that's what i'm yeah. saying like, that the camera sound is becoming unbelievable i yeah. mean it's starting to and plus i think t- people's ears have shifted in a big way because um you know i'm not trying to be nerdy but like your ears tuned to the medium you're used to so like when you're listening to iphone like a kick drum on an iphone it's not that it's moving that much air and bass like your daddy speak jbls were but your your brain has learned what a powerful kick drum is and you hear it on an iPhone speaker with a lot of clarity and your brain is filling in a lot of the, like yeah. you, when you hear a beatboxer do a beatbox and there's not really bass there, but it's implied and your yeah. brain does the rest of the work. So it's like now everything's optimized and you've been trained to listen through these up close speakers and this. And so it's like everybody's ears have collectively been trained and yeah. all that polished recordings are so weird now it, it, that this raw good quality sound is now captured by cameras is all of a sudden mm-hmm actually good and exciting and you feel that energy in it all of a sudden so it's like a it's a lot of weird ways like to consume the thing we've always done there's going to be new ways to consume it that we're now all exploring but your scott was one of the best ones i've seen of streams i mean it's my favorite it's a top one of wow. like easily it, a top but, five. I mean, y'all did so thing. great with the sound and then i agree like i thought that that's what i thought was really cool is it uh, it felt uh, it. It didn't feel like the same energy, obviously, as like Furnace Fest or whatever or, yeah. or a show. But the energy was so there, though. Tense, like it, so, man. so yeah, yeah. Tense, it was very zayo. I mean, it was yeah. And so for me, it was like a, it, honestly, this is what I'll say. It was like getting to see more of you guys in a way. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was. It was like oh man, I'm seeing more of Zaya right now because you guys were. It looked like you were focused and. Like us, like one unit. You know yeah, what I mean? Like no. everybody was every every piece was working together, and I was. I mean, I was. It was it was really cool for me because it's hard for me with my brain and stuff sometimes to get so drawn in. I'm usually on my phone too, or talk, you know, doing talking and watching something. But I would just zoned right. It's in, immersive. It, it, yeah. It, yeah, it just wow. is immersive. It's yeah. like I'm in this little Zayo world right now, and I'm not leaving, and and I'm just here because you know what I mean it, it. It the camera work, everything. It was so good. Thank you. Well, that's, I mean, when I talked to Matt and I saw your guys live stream, I felt that we both kind of said like, you have, if we're going to do these, we got to do them like this. Like they have to be this well-made because like doing it on a little phone or like not having like more than one or two camera angles just doesn't, just doesn't do it. And like, I think like what you're saying, that immersion, especially, and I love, cause you guys did the same thing where it was like, you don't have an audience to play to. And all these people are like, when they're doing their live streams are setting up, like it's a show. It's not a show. It's different. So like, just, I think both it's of us not did a this. Show. It, That's right. It, yeah. It works. It worked so well because you can't play. You're not playing to a crowd. You're going to really play to each other. Yeah. So, you know, that circling around and being able to like, look at each other. And like, I think that kind of, then, then, then your intensity kind of gets plays off of like I'll play off of Jeff or I'll play off of Russ, right? And like energy having that, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you use 
your own band, like your own bandmates as like your energy source instead of the crowd. And, and then I think that's what makes that so intense. Cause it is, it's like this, yeah. you're like in a, in a circle and, and just like you guys did it, they, you know, everybody's kind of like looking at each other and there, there isn't any real separation of the people you know yeah. yeah well you're controlling all the elements so it's like there's art forms built in there that we don't even <clears throat> haven't ever explored before so it's very scary and daunting because you could like screw up the way it looks and it's like ah oh yeah i'm bumped yeah. or i'm not immersed <laughs> that was weird or that sounded weird or that transition was weird so you have to pay attention to all these new things but the thing that's uh but you have but you do have more control so it was more of a Zayo experience mm -hmm. than a lot of concerts are in the sense that at the concert, a crowd has a bunch to do with it. The yeah. venue has to do with it, a bunch to do with it. The sound system, yeah. all those things are the same every night and a different band comes in and gets to try to create a Zayo experience at the auto bar or whatever it mm -hmm. is. And so in this this one, the environment you control the point and the points of view you control, yes. not to mention all the visual aesthetics. So yeah. it was, you know, you're able to create more of a Zayo experience, like on mm -hmm. more levels you're in control as your brand. So it's a, it, it, are you in Emory's world? Are you at Zayo's yeah. church where they play their yeah. demonic music? Like that's what yeah. it was a psycho killer. Dan comes out and I, you know, <laughs> like, what is this? Like it's yeah. your world that I was in. And I just loved it. Especially like, when Dan what, came out, that was the, oh, his yeah. face oh, coming out. That was, was so great that he came ever. out late. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like y'all were playing and the music is so good. Like even like y'all are talking about like the, as the band, you literally do get to create the entire world, the entire environment. Like, yep. this, what was the space y'all used? Because you chose that to present Zayo. You yes. know what I mean? Like, well, that, that's our main. I mean, that the studio that we did the live stream in is the studio we do our records in. So, um, we I, that, but that place is just awesome. It's like yeah. an old renovated church and that room is just so gorgeous, the woodwork and all that kind of stuff. And we knew like if we could get in there and really work like the vibe of the light and stuff that we could really make it work for our, something like this. And I mean, we, it was, it really was. And it's so weird too, because you like go in there and, and like you said, you can create your thing, but like some stuff is just happy accident too. Right. So like you're lucky that the the way like we were recording it, you know, the light, the sunlight didn't really come in because they're old stained glass windows. So like you don't get that real brightness. Like yeah, the, like everything about it just ended up working so good and having unbelievable people behind the scenes. Like uh, the guy that actually worked like the camera crew because we had like an eight or nine camera set. So yeah. like Phil. Uh, Atkins did all the camera work with his friends and like all these guys that we're just close with. Um, and then, you know, just for, like having our Dave and Dana, the guys that do our records with us, like that know us, you know, they know how we want to sound. They know everything, like having those guys do the sound. And I mean, it's just unbelievable with, with all the team. Cause like, well, it's really our friend Doug did, basically edited it for us and it was i mean he's just incredible um the coloring like and people don't even realize all the steps that go into it yeah but um there's a studio that like a, a video studio in pittsburgh called animal that russ did some work with so he's really close with all the guys down there and um the owner of animal is a fan and has like kind of followed us or whatever but 
he did the color gradient for the film. And that's, and that's what's weird about it too. Like we don't, we all called it film. Like it's, it's, yeah. this is our film. Cause like he colored it and, and you, you would think like, well, what do you need somebody to, to color the thing? And dude, it was like, if you didn't do that, it wouldn't be the same. Like right. he, it, 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 Alan is the guy that did the color, but everything just all the there's a million different things that go into it that that was what was so so crazy and and if you didn't have those people that was the thing that we realized and i'm glad we did because i'm usually the last person to realize realize things like this and uh matt and Devin were like we have to do it this way having uh, people around yep doing their job so that you can do yours because if you're focusing on like if you're thinking about oh no what is this shot gonna need to be and or yeah you're done i'm going to you know, play my instrument. I'm going to do my thing and stay, stay present. That, that was what was really nice about recording mm-hmm. all of our records that having the crew there, they really just totally trust them. They do their job. Yeah. I was yeah, shocked when I came to work on the Emory one that y'all went that far. Yeah. Cause I watched y'all evolve from Emory, very big band with crew trying to be legit. Like all that, you know, manager that you pay all right. your money to on the tour. Like, oh, yeah. and don't take any home, right? <laughs> right. To like, okay, we're getting rid of all that. And skeleton, like, there's no anything. Like, we'll yeah. just do everything. And if anybody tried to suggest even anything remotely you professional. Fuck right off. Was like, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. yeah not, <laughs> for, not for a decade. Yeah. You better, yeah. you don't you bring any of that professional shit yeah. near me for the next decade. <laughs> I'm bitter. I mean, yeah, you let me be your tour yeah. manager. Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, like, little Lunster would be the tour manager. Uh, all the way back around to like six cameramen. We yeah. did twelve on the hey, last one. Oh, yeah. twelve! Yeah. My twelve God. on the last See, one. Yeah, on, on yeah the one I was on, I think you had six, maybe. So yeah, it was incredible. And like spending all this money and just like what? Yeah, I was like, wow, is it? They've changed. <laughs> They've really changed. Well, and it's dude, a new opportunity. I mean, there's no way to not. Like, it's exciting. It's just, to me, it's always been, I go to a concert. First, One of the first concerts I went to was Silverchair, and it was at House of Blues in Myrtle Beach. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get to see how this, how they do their thing. And I just wasn't prepared at all. for It was really rough. It was la- it was loud. I thought I need to go tell the sound guy because this doesn't sound like it's supposed to sound like I, that's the way I was felt. That the I was, one you went with your girlfriend at the time? And yeah, she but made a girlfriend you leave the girlfriend that, that she left the she she had no idea what she was doing either. Like, yeah. I hadn't really been to a concert and she had and she was really mad because she tried yeah. to get near the front and there was a pit or whatever and she you know tried to fight people and then ran off yeah. and went outside she was and mad. Kind of, whatever. Yeah. And I was trying to watch and hear this music <laughs> and see how you make those sounds. How you play? I mean, what is it? I was watching. I'm interested in the parts and the playing and the right. how this works. And I was just like, the sounds like the speakers are all. The sound guy doesn't know what the band's supposed to yeah. sound like. I thought, and it's just a bunch of people pushing and drinking and not listening. And I just was right. like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> you know, it's like, but I want to see Alice and Change play all their something. I want to see, you know, right. I want to see it. And it's like you go to a show and it's not even somehow still not about yep. that. It's yeah. still about other stuff. And so I know that's a naive point of view because. I understand now, like, oh, the crowd, the being there, like, all that, too. But from a clinical type of point of view, if somebody reading Guitar World magazine finally gets to start going to concerts, you would want to think you're going to see and hear. And a lot of times that's not really – you don't get a good sights or sounds at concerts. Isn't that not weird to anybody else? The sound's not usually good. You usually can't see from where you are. I mean, is that – I thought the point – It sucks, dude. You know, I'm not shitting on live events. I like them, but it's just that's – there's two different things. 
my favorite thing is being there early when everybody sound checks because then you can actually see. Then shit. you can see like, and stuff yeah. and hear stuff. Like right. every, yeah, it's awesome. Like when I every tour we would ever do, I would never. I would be the guy that's like watching the the headliner do their sound check because it was just so much fun to like see them dial in their tone and like that's the kind of stuff I like. So and I believe that's the next. I mean, first of all, it helps you reach people in. Brazil and Japan and every other territory that you could never go that you know have have fans there but yeah. there's a shitload of fans of your band that do not like going to shows. Oh yeah. Yes. Right. I've met those people before. I was shocked when I found out they existed, but we had like a we told me I did a living room tour one time and there's people that hosted us and they're fans mm-hmm. and they have all these records and they're talking about it and I said what what have you ever seen us live and they're like uh, no, <laughs> no, yeah. that's not their thing. But we're yeah. like, we'll come to your living room. They're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But they're not going out to shows. Like that's awesome. Some yeah. people aren't comfortable in that environment, and they don't get as much out of that experience. So yeah. there's a lot of computery type of people mm-hmm. out there, and in other territories and other places. So at least this is an opportunity because they pr- this is probably the type of media that they do really want. And we can do shows too. I mean, we could do both. Like football's fun in the stadium, mm-hmm. but it's sometimes yeah. better on yeah. TV. Depending on your situation. Well, this is even different, too. I even think, though, that this is cool because, I mean, bands did, like, you know, live live shows at, you know, huge stadiums or whatever and recorded it well, and it was cool, and you saw the crowd, and you saw the band on the huge stage and all this stuff. But because of COVID, it became valid to for just a band to play and put it out. Like, that really – I mean, before COVID, that didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're gonna just go to this room and record something. You go, yeah. you'll watch it. Nobody, but now everybody understands that it it can be good. Like you know, there was some it can first be, yeah. people got into it under oath, opened the door really to everybody, and they did a hell of a job. Um, and then there was, a, you know, I saw some other bands that tried, but they were doing it live, but it wasn't the best sound, and it was just they didn't make quite sure, get the media. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. and, and, I I don't know, it, it just kind of happened where it was like, oh wait. We can be energetic and play just in a room with just the band, and you can like it. And I can, mm-hmm. you know, the consumer, the the fan can sit on their couch in the most comfortable way possible with all their snacks and everything, watch their favorite band, and then turn on something on Netflix. And, yeah. and it's great. It's closest thing to it is that when you're when you're at rehearsal, whatever it is, and you're just totally relaxed, and then y'all are working on something, it's late at night, and it's like it starts to really sound good, and you look around, and you're feeling like, yeah, I think we got the right part. I think we're nailing this. And you look around, and everybody in the room, like you're in your practice space, and it's actually working. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that to be able to have the fan and actually share that experience, that's what else could you ever dream of? Yeah. Than to be real. there for that a moment that is – the band in their own environment feeling it the best they can feel it for themselves, mm-hmm. then that that's how it's supposed to – that's kind of how it's supposed to feel. And then can you go project that in a stadium? That's different. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because you never can. I mean, like, you, I've never, ever played a show where I was like, wow, I can hear myself as good as I can hear myself when I'm rehearsing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Yeah. Like, nothing ever sounds good on stages, even the best stages, unless – I mean, I, I, I can't do the in-ear thing, but maybe the in-ear does kind of eliminate a lot of that thing, that, that problem. So I, maybe I should be an in-ear guy. I don't know, but I just can't. And yeah, it's never going to sound good. It's never going to sound as good as it does when you're like in the circle of your bandmates. And, and get it right. Practicing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's, that's awesome. All right, let's take a 
quick break and let's do some kick-ass music. You're listening to Anadonia, the newest single from Silent Planet's upcoming album, Iridescent. Um, this is the third single to be released, and the full album comes out on Solid State Records November 12th. That's two days from now. So, this is the band's fourth full-length record released on Solid State. Oh, man, I'm getting old. I, th- I thought this was like their second. <laughs> is this the fo- and this is the follow-up to When the End Began from 2018. Man, I'm old. All these bands are on their fourth record. Good Lord, the second or third. You can pre-order the record and a whole line of new merch now at SilentPlanetMerch.com or Solid State Merch Store. Uh, go follow the band on Spotify so you don't miss any new music and so you can get uh, alerts when they'll be playing in a city near you. Iridescent, their new album, is available. Their fourth album is available everywhere on Friday, uh, November 12th. Hope you love it. Um, so what about that other topic I was saying? Like, I was trying to think back about it. Like, you were on Bad Christian mm-hmm. very early. It must have been 2016 or 15, probably. Jeez. Do you yeah, remember yeah, yeah. that? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I forgot. I just know it was like, oh, we got to talk. It was Scott from Zayo the Atheist. And, you know, <laughs> uh, I just don't remember anything else about it. But I'm just thinking, well, what also, was that? It was surreal well, for me because I, I mean, memory of that Zayo was, was like the first band I ever got into that screamed. Like before that, I didn't understand it. I, I, you know, I couldn't, I just, uh, I remember there was like one song from Training for a Utopia that I, that I was like, oh, that'd be, mm-hmm. I kind of understand this, but I just thought, I'm a singer, I just thought, what is screaming? I I, I just couldn't get it. Why are you just, and then, yeah, uh, what are you just, and then, why are you singing? You know, I heard yep. Dan scream and then those breakdowns, I was like, holy shit, now I'm starting to, now I'm starting to understand. <laughs> the first time I saw you, I was, were you in the band when it, uh, when he poured the blood all over him, at, at, you were there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was two thousand three. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was just yep. yeah. I was there. Yep. That yep. that did that night did give me a, some of the same vibes at Furnace Fest. That under the tent at Cornerstone. I mean, awesome. that was that was like the first time because mm-hmm. uh, I'd always seen it on TV and stuff. The first time I really saw and was near a pit that that was like scary. Like you remember how big? I mean, that thing opened up. It was huge. <laughs> yeah, that was. Awesome. And I mean, people were trying to murder each other. I mean, just murder. Yeah, it's that, insane. It's, it, Dan comes out poor blood on him. He went to his knees and then was on his knees the rest of the show, <laughs> just covered in fake blood or whatever. It was so awesome. Well, dude, my, he he did so the the blood. Uh, what the hell? The, uh, the like the way he made it Zero, was yeah. caro syrup and shit and it's like dude it's in <laughs> june in or july like he he got oh, he so sick because it was like it covered your dude yeah because like that stuff covers your pores oh you can't like God. sweat right <laughs> so uh, after the show he's like oh i'm never doing this again i'm like what do you think was gonna happen so awesome. <laughs> oh man anyway i didn't mean to hijack that it but yeah that's great. so crazy because i mean for for me it was just like oh man and then yeah. To find out that you were an atheist, that was one of the, it was like, oh, what is, you know, that, that almost made it seem more interesting to me that you would come on and talk to us. 
Yeah, I can't remember what the whole and and, and I'm, it's not even I don't even remember your whole trajectory from being before atheist or when you joined Zayo. But I guess the spiritual thing so intertwined with Zayo is like a spirit filled hardcore band, and I, I I can't remember that whole trajectory. But being spirituality tied up, and then us meeting and knowing each other across the years, and then doing the podcast with you as an atheist, how, as which almost felt like a novelty at the time, is that we we have a friend that's an atheist, you know, and we. <laughs> Talk or anything, Zayo. I don't remember, but I'm just curious how you tile that together. What's the spiritual through line there? And what do you remember about that 2015 episode? Well, I do remember. Okay, I think this is it, it, it's really like cool to look back on it because speaking of Furnace Fest, I watched the uh, Further Seems Forever like uh, show. Um, cause we weren't there and I'm, that, that was one of the bands that really cut me deep not to be able to watch. Cause I, that's, I love that band, but Chad said something on stage that I thought, Hmm, this is really strange to think about because I'm sure you guys are going to feel the same way, but he talks about how, you know, like their religious beliefs still and, and how Christianity to them doesn't mean what people think Christianity means today. Uh, all the like pol- political aspect of what they've hijacked, you know, that's not what, what it was for, for those guys back then. It was all really about love and a lot of acceptance and a lot of like, you know, and I remember when I joined Zayo, um, you know, we, we had people come out to us like, um, like sexually, like talk enough, like talk to us about how they, well, you know, I'm a homosexual or whatever, like, you know, and that's what it felt like to me when I first joined the band and, and the, the Christianity that, that those guys were kind of keyed in on was more about full acceptance. Like yeah. n- none of this, like daddy's going to not love you kind of shit. Like it was literally like, Hey, like we just love everybody. And we're like, we're here to accept you at where you are. You know, no doubt. Um, the whole so, scene, what what the positive thing about it that always was, it, it really was and always has been a genuine come as you are, no judgment yeah. here for this thing. Like that is the yep. central, that's the thing that works for straight edge or whatever, what everybody together, something about that. But that it's definitely a Christian sentiment when done right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that acceptance thing. Yeah. So I think that what, what kind of led me to be really okay with, I have a lot of questions and these questions aren't being answered by these people, but I'm not offended by these people because I don't see, I don't, I see like love and acceptance and that's kind of, you know, where I feel like I, I want to be as a person too. Um, I think where I started to get a little off, like we talked about at that time was just like the, the magic of it. And, and, you know, you read more and you get further in your life and you start to like, recognize that certain things that you thought were a certain way aren't that way. And, you know, like a lot of the mythology of it to me, like just started to fall away and get, get, make more sense to me when I try, when I, I mean, I don't want to, because I think everybody's reasonable. I don't want to say it like that. Like, Oh, I, I think Christians are unreasonable. They don't understand. I think everybody understands. I just think that a lot of people kind of maybe look at certain things in a different way. And in my problem was that I couldn't look at these things as like, because I, I know a lot of people try to 
like shove away the ideas because it's it, you're just translating it wrong. Like the translation isn't that way. I mean, there's all these different translations. And like, to me, that just didn't work anymore. Um, but this, the central tenet of like acceptance and loving everybody was always there. Like, I don't have any difference in that. Like that never changed for me. I feel like the one thing that really like solidified it for me, like my atheism or whatever you want to say is when, you know, I thought about, it, I'm like, you know, I, I don't do things because of a reward or because I'm afraid or any of that kind of stuff. I do things because I just, because it's what you do, you know, like, I don't, I'm not afraid to go to hell or I'm not, a, or I'm not trying to do good things for any reason because I'm looking for the reward at the end of this. Like, you know, the good thing is done at the moment because the good thing is the right thing to do. And, and you want people to be happy and you want people to, and you want to do cool things for, for people. Like I don't, I don't need any of that other extra stuff. Uh, and I do think that a lot of, and, and I think there's a lot of exclusion. Like a lot of the people I've met from the Christian scene aren't like this really, but I think that a lot of people may do things because, you know, they, they're, they're worried about this extra stuff that might happen when it's all said and done. But like, to me, it's all said and done. It's done. Like, this is what's important. Um, and I, I think I just like to focus on that stuff more, but um, I will say this, man, there's a lot of people that I've met in that first early time period of, of the Christian scene that have completely deconstructed it themselves and are come out the other end, you know, and a, a depressing thing to me too, is I think that there's a misjudgment on what atheism is to people, right? Like atheism is not, that there is no God. And I know that with 100% certainty. Atheism is the rejection of a religious idea that doesn't you know, make sense. I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> like I have, nobody does. Nobody has a goddamn clue at what's going on. Like I was talking to a friend the other day and I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool if when we die, like, I just become this power thing that just flies around. And I can see space. Cause like, I, I love space. I'd love to see different planets. Like what if you're just an energy that floats around? I don't know. Probably not, but I don't, I, I have no idea what, what there is. I, I just, I know that you don't know. So like, if you're going to stand up on a pulpit and tell me that I can't do these certain things or like, you can't love this type of this person because of this, or God commanded these things to happen. That's when I, I just, it's totally turned off from that. So, and I think that's probably what, what started my whole kind of decline for Christianity was when people became that to me. So you, you got to the point earlier than most people did that have deconstructed. And I believe that we're still kind of early as far as, um, people letting go of dogma and simple mm -hmm. versions of religion. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, you know, the pandemic and everything else in politics for the last four years or so, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll continue to speed that up. Yes. <clears throat> so maybe we're still early, but it, you were very early right in that scene to arrive at a conclusion in that way. And we're still very graceful to everybody around you. And mm -hmm. then you've since then, cause I don't know. I mean, it's been many, many years. And then you watched everybody else, like you say, you, you just observe the deconstruction of almost everybody else. So that's kind of, mm -hmm. you have an interesting point of view about that. Um, but that's what always stuck out to me is um, 
because a lot of people when, when they're not Christian or anti-Christian or atheist or all you know have seen so nasty stuff that they're not as graceful or gentle as you have been. In yeah, a way your band that, still like, had a ton of had conversations with people. Your band still had a ton of Christian fans. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. So you had. I mean, I bet you heard a lot of stuff. Well, <laughs> prayer for you. Oh yeah, yeah. Like and oh, yeah. dude, I hear. I still do. Like I like I'll go on our Instagram and see like like Jesus lovers from like Canada yeah, liking yeah, our right. page. And I'm like, wow, oh, they right. uh, do they know <laughs> shit. <laughs> Did I not put the memo out? But, uh, <laughs> but um, no, I, see, that's, the, dude, like, that's another thing I hated. Like, because a lot of the people that I knew at that early on time, the atheists that I knew, like, were, they were really angry. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't, I never understood where that anger came from. Because if you just don't, if, if, if this thing just isn't there, then what can you be mad at? Like, you know, okay, Christianity's done whatever, like, like these people have done things to you that you're upset about, but like, that's like, even, I don't think, I don't believe God exists, but even with that, like, why would you hold that thing that doesn't exist accountable for the people that are dumb? You know what I mean? Like, so like the anti-Christian thing, like I never felt like I was ever that, like I never wanted to be anti anything. Like I just, you know, my whole start, down that path to get away f- or to come away from that stuff was because a lot of like what I was seeing was like anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ, anti, you know, whatever. Like that's what started turning me off. Cause like, like the original intent, I thought like, well, everybody loved everybody. Like there is no judgment. So I felt like Christianity wasn't really what a lot of those early, like seeing Christians thought it was like, I think that a lot of those people, have deconstructed because they were doing that. They were like, I just want to love everybody as they thought Jesus would love everybody. But Christianity has been used for so many insane things. And it's really hard to separate what biblically even set talks about. So like, I, I do think that those people that were really non-judgmental and trying to just show love to everybody probably came deconstructed like me eventually because they started to see is this really like does the bible talk about like being anti-gay you know i don't i think a lot of old testament is pretty easily explained that way but i mean i don't jesus did talk about it but i don't know if it's as as like clear cut as that black and white as that but like for me, I don't even have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> like, I don't even like it. You can't keep the church open though to like, do the love thing because then if everybody really did love each other and cared about each other, you, you wouldn't need a church. Yeah, you wouldn't need that church problems. building, or nope. yeah, there wouldn't there'd be less control. Yep. And, and dude, know, that's, that's why it, that's that's why it never happens. I think it's 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 never. Dude, it's just like everything. It's just like, dude, I consider myself pretty left politically. And look at what the Democrats have done now. Like we vote them in and they do nothing that they say they're going to do. And it happens all the time. It's just like that. It's like politicians are the same thing as, as, as the religious right or, the, or even that whole thing. Like you need it. it it's a control thing. Oh, yeah. It's not about. Yeah. It's, and it's a money thing. It's a control thing and it's a financial thing. So why would you go to this place if you you actually realize like, look at the dude, like, look at like Aaron and those dudes from me without you, like literally that's, that's what I thought the ideal was for those people. Like you just, 
you just church is out there and it's just a bunch of people like it has isn't anything yeah it got know, hijacked like yeah not the thing in the strip mall that that has oh, a yeah. franchise model it is. or whatever it is yep. yeah and that's you know i i want to be cognizant of that too like i don't for me there's a, i mean we could spend five hours talking about why i don't believe right. all that stuff but but i do totally realize and recognize that there there was a hijacking of of it and like there are people in charge of it which is why maybe even for me, like you have to recognize too, biblically, like who wrote that? Like the, the King James version of the Bible that we look at as exact word of God was totally edited. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know. Yeah. Well, the, uh, what was it that Chad said from stage? I don't think you ever got to that point. Well, Chad, he, Chad basically kind of the sentiment was like the Christianity that I believe in isn't this trump christianity i think is what he kind of said like it was something to that effect of like this this like fully like narrow-minded bigoted type of belief system (laughs) well trump uh helps probably speed along some deconstruction of some people (laughs) like trump and and covid definitely changed the world unreal i mean un an unreal amount 100 percent He's got, sad, a, he's got a lot of people turned It's up. pretty funny to watch Trump try to be Christian, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it's crazy. He's Obviously not. not. He's, yeah. Well, you got to listen to that. I mean, everybody take this recommendation. I don't think I've given one in a long time for anything on the pod, but the, the Jerry Falwell podcast. Uh, there's a oh, podcast yeah. out there about Jerry Falwell and the election is from uh, – capitalist uh gangster capitalism is the name of the people that make it and this season three and they do the jerry falwell thing it is it it blows away anything bad chris has ever talked about as far as pastor scandals and the corruption and what it is it's like it's the craziest stuff in the world like how and just how wow. influential it is and how close it is to our, I mean, we played at Liberty yeah. before. Like I've been on campus and oh, do there and damn. now I have like, I mean, like we, like I said, we've been to Rick Santorum's yeah. thing and now we've been at Liberty yeah, yeah. University and it's this same sphere of influence and the Jerry Falwell guy's just a, He's just the daddy uh, of all that corruption, oh, and it was with. Yeah. Don't you? Oh my gosh! One, oh my one gosh. night in Florida with that guy, and all and of it's crazy. <laughs> you, you it's so up, definitely go. go. If, yeah, if you guys had a party, you would know it. You would want to miss it. He he should just go. Oh, yeah. He should just, he them all he should just go even farther. And, it, and just he could. That's what I'm saying. He could go crazy, bad boy. I think be he fine. can. He could take a lot of people, people with back. him because this yeah, like gangster stuff. If he just goes. Fuck it all. I'm, I just yeah. do what I do. But it was the the, the time, and that's where Trump gave the for two Corinthians thing or whatever it was. Is oh, in the, like mean, it sets up insane. that whole scenario and how What's he did that. And it's yep. just um, unbelievable. You got it. What's your favorite? Well, dude, did you see too? Like when they asked him when he did that stupid photo op, and they're like, "Who's is that? Your Bible?" And he's like, "It's a Bible." <laughs> yeah. Dude, Trump came off of that out of that that Liberty. He went to first of all, they they led Ted Cruz to believe that he was going to get this endorsement yeah. or whatever from them, and then like <laughs> sold him out, put Trump up there God. the next day or whatever it was, and like I, totally. Incredible. And when Trump got off that stage, he said to somebody, he says like, he says those people will believe anything. Man, he's, uh, or something about yeah. the the liber- You know, it's just crazy. Because well, yeah, he kept saying, I think the only verse that he even yeah. knew <laughs> of is the one that was his favorite. Like he didn't say anything else. I don't. Yeah, the dude definitely was not 
He's not a I can't I can't person. I can't fault him on the not <laughs> no. remembering Bible verses because I can't remember a one. It was so funny. Uh we would always get asked what our favorite Bible verse was, and Joel just started telling people when Joel was in our band, he would just go, uh, Genesis one. <laughs> He signed that on posters. People would pause for a second and, and then, then act like, like super it was deep whoa. or something. Like, Shit. oh, that's I didn't incredible. think of it that way. The bass player from Emory's, God, man, he's deep. Genesis one. No, no one's ever said Genesis one is their favorite verse, but Joel did. Two Joel did. I, uh, in my, uh, it's funny oh, we're talking about it. the, you know, how you became an atheist or whatever. In my, uh, so I do a weekly email for the at knucklebreakers.co. You get two extra podcasts, Toby's email, all this stuff. Go sign up. Uh, I do this do email, it. and this week I wrote a, a post about how I miss Satan. Cause I used to, I blame so much shit on that dude. <laughs> like I, I, in my post, I basically say yeah. that Satan was a better friend to me, really, than Jesus or God. <laughs> like because he was always there. First of all, he's completely obsessed with me, won't leave me alone, and he tries to get me to do mm-hmm. really fun shit. Never <laughs> like crazy shit. Like Satan's yes, that, that friend that you know you shouldn't Satan hang out with, that. but it's like some shit's gonna be fun. Like he, he's Jerry Falwell Jr. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> And then when you and when you do those things, right? Then you, just you just blame, blame it on it. You say you're being attacked. You're it's yep. okay. I mean, I used to. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, when I look at it. porn now, <laughs> who? It's just me. <laughs> It's not, it's not <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't get to go, oh, man, this is spiritual warfare. I don't, you know, it's just. Yeah, it was me. It's just me? Oh. Oh. Yeah, Satan was always right there to take oh. all my nasty shit. He took it all, man. What kind of, I mean, he's a good buddy. <laughs> God hardly ever returned the call. Yeah, he carried water hardly for ever, you. But, you know, Satan was there like constantly, always in my business, doing everything he could to get me to come live with him <laughs> one day. <laughs> and I fucked him yeah. over. I quit I, you believing know what? in I, him. <laughs> it's, the sad, it's the saddest thing in the world. Toby, it's like a Toy I might have missed something. Toy Story 4, 5, whatever next would be about Satan. He's gone. That bastard did everything he could for me. Poor guy. He just wanted me to come live with him. He's a, he's a king of a world, and he wanted me to come live with him and took all the blame. And, I could, and he's gone. It's just terrible. <laughs> Toby, I missed the part where you became atheist, oh, too. No, 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 atheist no, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is something there, there. Yeah, did, was it me oh, i thought no. that's what, where he was going that's what he says if god never did a damn thing no. for him satan he misses but no, he got god did one stuff many more, is what I heard. Saying, it's interesting <laughs> the way i was brought up going back to even the love thing the way i was brought up was god was just mean and, and satan was evil and all, but if yeah. you really broke it down the way i was taught about god and satan satan is way better person i mean he's way better <laughs> well dude think about this he like he just wants he brings the apple to eat yeah. like she doesn't have anything and Adam's else standing eat. right there beside yeah. her he's like here just eat this yeah he's like look just eat this and you're gonna and you'll better. know and then, stuff yeah and then oh shit yeah. that's Yo, asshole yeah. yeah I always I thought it was stuff. weird too that, that yeah. like in the bible it's like <laughs> it was like wasn't Satan a lizard at first and then he had he was cursed then and he lost his legs and they had to crawl on his bed, belly right that's but that that's so funny yeah. because also everybody believes what like what kind of punishment is that? It, what, I mean, say we, oh no, I'm a snake now. And then he just turns into a giant, muscly, red headed demon. 
I mean, he can be all of it. So what? I mean, he yes. Why, why is he worried he has to slide yeah. on his belly? That he lost I, his legs. He's bitter about God, his legs. Except for oh, he just transformed into a massive sh- shredded <laughs> demon. With legs and muscles and giant dick, <laughs> huge and everything, and whatever he has, <laughs> unlimited he has power. everything, and he has unlimited power Both. to use on everybody all the time. He does the most everything. fun stuff. It makes everybody insane. They can't. Oh no, everything's so bad. You know, I mean, everything he does, he just he's just like a party starter. <laughs> yeah, he's like the Dave. Same is very much like. Dave Grohl, yeah, he's Dave gonna Grohl, have a good dude. time. He's got some hell. He got a hell of a good <laughs> stories. That's crazy stories. You could probably see that. Like in the end, if it worked out, and you found out that Dave Grohl was actually the devil. You go, yeah. fuck. That's right. almost believable. Yeah, I can believe it. <laughs> you know, I can almost believe that. You know, he was the devil. Oh, yeah, in that you're tenacious right. Demon. Yeah, yeah. I suppose if I found yeah. it believable. Wow. Yeah, we're shadowing yeah, him. Yeah. Give him a little clues that it is him. <laughs> But yeah. it's gone. That's gone. I, well, I just that, that eternal damnation thing can't be true. <laughs> it just that just that part <laughs> I, attached to God. That that you know, I saw somebody. Uh, it was probably a TikTok, I think, and they were just talking about how there is no God without the devil, and it's the yin and the yang, and so there there has to be both. There has to be dark and light, and good and ba- it, but good and bad might be the same thing. We just look at them as two opposites. You know, the same way as we look at this reality is, or time is linear and it's, it might not be, it might be, you know, cyclical or it might be, mm-hmm. who knows what it is, what the shape is. Well, isn't it weird too, like though, that a lot of that stuff is yep. also perspective, like good and evil can be totally different things to totally different people. Right. Yeah, in in the same hole. That, but and there's a uh, easternness to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's and when I'm I've listened to Toby's go through all of his spiritual th- thoughts oh, and yeah. every other thing for uh, all of these years. But I t- Toby really seems to, especially now that he he's been able to let go of the other stuff. Toby talks more than I do or other people in this non-dual way. That's almost eastern, where say like, so the good and the bad is one thing, dude. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. like his almost main like that that's his most that's what he's always been like too, but yet in this more dualistic tradition. So it's kind of weird, you know. Like uh but is there is there any do you have any Eastern thoughts or do you do any think of any spiritual any other thing? How many Eastern words is Matt like that? Sorry. Scott? Well, I mean I how many words has Matt actually listened to me? <laughs> think about him and I talking. I've listened to way A more lot. words of your you've <laughs> I don't you, wouldn't call that probably listening. have heard seven words in our entire relationship that I said, and you went as soon as I said a word, you go yes, and oh, and you get back at it. You have well, not listened to it half yeah. as many words as I've listened to. Yours. You talk your ass off. How you? How many words of mine oh. have you pretended to listen to? Answer oh, me that. The mile the tables have turned. I see. I see what you're doing now. You're not going to defend this on me. <laughs> You, you you can't listen. You have to talk. You have to. You can't. You have to. If I start talking, it makes you go, who? Oh, my God. It's like a, what is it, addiction. (laughs) Yes, it does. 
That's because I'm listening and I want to play along too. I want to do what you're doing. It's really exciting what you're you're talking about because I'm listening and I need to do. I need to be the one doing it now. Is the actual silence where you can break in. You not listen to a word. You just hear no no talking. (laughs) But you give me all of my ideas of what I want to talk about based on whatever you're saying. Gives me that's my jumping off points. (laughs) Seems like yeah yeah. Um, I do like the idea of the betterment of the self. Um, you know, like a lot of like Buddhist philosophy really focuses more on like you do things to, to like embolden yourself, better yourself. There's really no like outside thing, like everything's inner and, you know, like every movement you do is something that would like get you closer to where you're going to be your best self. So it doesn't necessarily, you're like not praying to anything and you're not, there's not an outside force that's actually doing anything, but you go through experiences and those experiences transform you. And then you become a better, like whatever, a better, your soul gets nourished by all these different experiences that, that you just live through. Um, And by soul, you mean? what yeah so that's that's another thing that's always been a like weird thing for me because like obviously i you know when i when i when i boil it down to the bare thing like i don't believe in a soul i think you die you die you're done you're we're meat right but it's really hard and this is why i think this whole like atheist argument it's really hard to to have people disregard what it's like for them to experience certain things, right? So, like, I can't I can't explain why when we listen to music, it what it does to you. It feels like that it's doing it's touching a part of you that that that's in a different place or like on a higher level, but it really isn't. It's just chemical chemical makeup in your brain that changes but it feels like we have so much more going on and it sucks to be the guy that's like we probably don't but i like i still like using terminology like i still think that it's really it's it's a cool thing to think about like i don't look at soul as like a separation from just the meat, but I, I, I do think that people have, it's like a personality. Like to me, I look at it like that. It's like your personality kind of is that kind of that thing, but it's like, it's a hard thing to explain because I, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's a separate entity or a separate PCU that breaks off when you're dead. I don't think it's, I think it's just, like I said, we're meat and chemical and, and neuron firing. But I like the idea of like using that, that type, type of terminology for like things that are like artistic. Cause it is weird, right? Why do we like paintings? Why do we, what is it that through our evolution made us like art or like these things that are intangible that don't do anything, but like it really does do something. What is that? What is that touching part of us? What, what, why are we excited? Why, like, why do we goosebumps when we hear a favorite song? Like, what is that? I don't know. You know, like that kind of stuff. I know what it is, but like, you know, I feel bad to take that away from I, people. 
But <laughs> 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 you identify it as mystery existing. It, it's just mysteri- mystery, mysterious in that you, we don't actually know how it works, but it could yeah. be understood how whatever it is. Yes, is. I think eventually yeah. we're going to figure out everything. Like, like there's so many mysteries still. Like, that we there's things we don't know how. Like, you know, think about like black holes. I mean, we're like finally like figuring out how that stuff works, like all that kind of stuff. Right. So there's like, I think there's a lot of mystery still in life. Um, and I think that there's going to always be mystery, like how our brains work. Like we really don't understand completely how our brain does what it does. We can, we've gotten to a point now where like we understand what the basic build is, but it's not like every little thing that the brain does, like we don't understand why it does certain things. I like to um, think of Jesus in a tuxedo but, t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. It says, I, I want to be formal, but I like to party. <laughs> I, I think that where I'm at, the reason why I am still a Christian is I really do believe more and more of needing, it's more like a guide or something that knows more that can just give you a little bit of enough. And then I think, Maybe there are other existences. I'm reading Stephen King, the Dark Tower series again. And it freaks me out. It's just, man, it really freaks. It really freaks mm-hmm. me out because uh, <laughs> the part I'm reading is all about riddles. At, at the um, I'm in the, the Wastelands book. I guess I just finished it. Um, I forget what I'm in now. Wizard and Glass, I guess. And uh, they have to do read these riddles and solve the, all these riddles in this other world so that they live and can defeat this uh, bad, this computer that's going to kill them. And, uh, and then Matt calls me and is answering riddles in this crypto thing that is going to invest in. And I was like, <laughs> what in the hell is ha- I, this, this book from the nineties I'm reading now. And, and it's, and, and it's just, oh, I was like losing my mind, dude. but I actually think <sighs> we, I think there are, are other worlds than these, and we think that this is the most important. So we cling to this flesh and this body and this brain, and this must be the we, – we intentionally tell ourselves we're top of the food chain so that we feel like we have meaning or that we're special or something like that. But this might be the lowest. Like what we are right now might be the least thing, and we just uh, – but – we think it's the most important, precious. Don't let go of my precious. But if we are able to let go of it, I think there's probably a guide. And if there's a guide, which I think there, I personally think there is, it's not what I've been taught at all. I can never be that. It can't be just this. Well, that's so. So are you? So that's another thing. It's the idea of a god. Why does it have to be so constricting? Like yeah. closed I, right. into the Christian yeah. ideal? Yeah, like. You know, because like to me, like as as a person that doesn't believe in, and that's the thing, I don't believe in the Christian God. Doesn't mean I right. I know there isn't a God or that I don't know that there isn't a thing. All I know is that the God that this very small, tiny little thing that we have created is the one that I don't think exists, mm-hmm. or I don't, or I that I know to for me doesn't exist. Because like that's like. Even we know so many things now about like so many different aspects of life. Like, you know, how weird is it to like, as a human being, we're like 50% microbes and garbage. Like we're not even what we are. We like our skin changes every 10 years. So we're like not even the same thing. And like that, it's never, that's never talked about. Like, why wasn't there anything 
ever talked about in ancient time that would like be like, oh, wow. Like, or even space. Like we didn't, dude, there's not like there's talk of the heavens, but it doesn't ever like specify anything outside of what we knew in yeah. a very small little area. Mm-hmm. So it's, but I like the idea. Like I said, I, I don't, I don't shit on any idea of like, I don't personally, but if it happens, you'd be like, Oh, there it is. Like I have proof now. That's the certainty is, is I think is one of the things that's hurt Christianity and you're right. The certainty that we are right. Yes. And that, that thing that like, I'd rather live in the yes. still now in the, I don't know. And I'm going to try and do the best I can. And there'll be tons of mistakes and it'll be awful. But, but you get some functional functionality from using well, the Christian I, model yeah. of the universe. Like, because there's some utility in it, in that myth or using it or that tradition or that authentic yeah. spirituality. And that's where I'm at right now. Out of those that's, three. I mean, that's where I grew useful. up in, the, in this time yeah, period. It makes sense. This yeah. Part of the universe, all this stuff. Somehow I grew up uh, with that God taught to me. So that is my God. And so I. Uh, yeah. Yep. Well, there's still values you have. You have to, like, they can't all be your own. Like, I didn't come up with literally every value of what's good in my own discovery. I have to adopt systems and other people's and those around me, but I can keep customizing it forever. But there's some truth in all those things. There's some truth in all those things, right? So that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a truth probably in all the gods and all the religions and all, there's truth. And so I think the goal there is just to weed out what isn't true. Because, of course, lies and mistakes and things that they got wrong they have to be there too they have to be if the good's there the bad's there so let me just try and find the good and some of it i'm it'll hurt my feelings and i'll be sad about it and i won't want to believe it's true but it is and then some stuff you know i'll I'll be able to go oh this is the way i've always Mm -hmm. felt so i i think my overall religious myth if i had to say one that i that i use as a model in a day in and day out way only probably, one wife and i'm not joking at all just it's only one wife no it's polygamist but um just whatever whatever they believe is fine um it's simulation i mean just that this is a simulation that actually functionally yeah. works i'm not saying it is or like in a in a like i'm not making some claim about outside of this reality it just it behaves as that way as far as I'm concerned overall. And in this particular simulation, I think Jesus has been the person who's closest to getting out so far. How about that? Like he's, he's the most interesting person here that seemed to really understand what we're in. Um, But, you know, I think it's pretty consistent with this. I don't think there's anything that convincing about reality, to be honest, you know? Yeah. I know. Like it's, it's, I'm experiencing it. I mean, it's program. It's a simulation. If God made it, I mean, I, I'd consider that a simulate. Like whatever you call. I mean, whoever makes the reality that I live in, however it's uh, is implemented. This is an implementation of a universe that I am in, <clears throat> and how it got here. I, I assume it's some form of simulation, including God's word. Is I mean, a I mean, binary if you, if you code, read the Bible that way, with like, like yeah, how weird with a tech brain, a, a modern yeah, I do read it that brain way. and look at it through technology and what it is. I mean, you you could. You could see a creator. That's how I look at it. That that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that there, there was yeah, a, no, as a creator. A lot of sense. This could be a simulation or some some form of something there that is it doesn't only have to be spiritual. Maybe spiritual helps convey what that, we're trying to say. That interpretation it helps me yep. navigate and make predictions from that model. I can take that hat off and say, "Oh, it's traditional." I mean, I can do whatever, but that model is the one that gives the least. Prediction yeah. errors to me. I mean, we know? had an it's important conversation kind of uh, what, three or four episodes ago. Well, I I know that I created Lunsford. 
Lunchard was not real, and I created him yeah. with my mind, <laughs> and it's amazing. Yes. Yeah, now he's here. Like, yeah. I just keep sticking around. Make any <laughs> yeah, sense. I mean, with Why everybody else, Lunsford, yeah. all the other people, Lunsford, Lunsford is a massive part of my life, and it's amazing. And that I had to create it. This is what that I means want. It has to be. A simulation. I want a Lunsford. That's what, that's like that's why I think you should be flattered. <laughs> if this is what I'm saying is true, I had to make you because <laughs> it didn't exist, and I needed you. He <laughs> <laughs> gave oh me a my good God, family. I you up. And- like yeah, like a nice wife. You just like, went on a trip to Mexico. Yeah, you, you made it pretty good. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Toby. You Thank to, you, Toby. You, you sent me to Mexico. How was your Mexican? <laughs> You're the brave. I made, you made the Braves win the World Series. The Braves win the World Series. That was so. That was actually really fun. You just hooking me up over and over. And uh, t- t- Toby, also, we got to go here in a few minutes because Lunsford and I do have some puzzles oh, to God. do for our crypto uh, thing. All right. Getting into it. G- give us, get, you got one story from your Mexican it. vacation? It was, your, what, your 10-year anniversary? Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. Make yeah, it quick. Matt's, I mean, Matt's got to go y'all, solve y'all riddles. Never, everybody... <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, no, it's, I'm just, it's interesting to talk no. about, but we're doing. We're, but look, Matt McDonald found this. I don't know how to describe it. I'm, I'm embarrassed. to almost talk about it already, but <laughs> it's like a cryptic thing that we're me and Lunsford are solving puzzles in. We're gonna they're gonna allow us to buy their cryptocurrency if we can solve the puzzles, and we're gonna do it yeah, <laughs> and tonight, pay a lot of money, right, and then buy the final third, stage, night, the yeah. final yeah. stage. And I'm gonna give them my money if they let me. If I can pass their test. <laughs> yeah. um, my God. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, I, Scott, you been to Mexico? No. Uh-uh. Oh. We actually we we talked about it so many times, but as everything with a band, you never do it. I got you. Well, I just went for a trip. I mean, it's so great, right? Toby? Oh, just like personally. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. No, I've never even been personally. No, no, no. Oh, okay. So no to both. All right. No to both. Yeah. Uh, it's so great. I went, all right, here's what's funny, Toby it, and Matt. I've talked about this. My 10-year anniversary, looking forward to it, playing the yeah. big trip. But also, right. the Atlanta Braves right. are my life. It's the, oh. only sport, it's the only sports right. team I follow. I don't. I watch them every day. And this year, they weren't good for forever. And so we're playing our trip, and I'm like, all right, well, and I remember – Earlier in the year, like, well, man, if the Braves went to the World Series, we'd be out of the country when this is happening. Because <laughs> oh. our, our anniversary is November 5th. They're like, well, let's just plan it. They're not. No way. You know, no it way doesn't matter whatever. World Series. You'll be fine, right? That's what you're thinking. No chance. It's not. That's not right. going to happen, you know, or whatever. And it ends up that I'm going to Mexico when the Braves <laughs> are going to the World Series. Oh. The, the day they actually play in Atlanta for the World Series, which I 100% right. would have gone. For sure, to as many games as I could have figured out how to go to, I flew to Mexico. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, that's just like cruel, you know? But we got down there. I was, Cassie was actually pretty cool about it. She was like, what else? It's not like we're going to do something else really right. at night. Like we can watch the game. The first night we got there, she's like, you go to the bar by yourself. I'm going to go to bed. I'll watch it. But the, the night they won the World Series, we went to the sports bar at the resort. And I got so fucking drunk. <laughs> I, I knew you were because you FaceTimed gallons. us from Mexico. Yes. Yeah. Gallons of beer. Gallons. <laughs> like two gallons worth of beer. 
I started off with just the little mugs of like yeah. Modelo or whatever, or Dos Equis, whatever I was drinking. But then, so there was this table of four Mexican dudes sitting next to us for some reason. I don't know. They weren't staying at the resort. It's like they lived in Puerto Vallarta and they came to the shitty American sports bar at the resort to watch wow. the World Series. And so they're sitting next to us and the whole time they're talking to me. It's funny. They like they fucking hate like all the other Latin American people, you know, because they'd be they didn't know much about baseball. They kind of yeah. liked it. They were watching it. And a, a Latin player would be out there, and he'd be, they'd be like, Mexicano? And I go, ah, Cuba, Cubano. Go, oh, no, 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 no. no. Like, oh, no, that guy's Venezuela. Oh, fuck. No, no, no. And I'm like, shit. Oh, my God. And uh, anyway, but they were drinking these big beers. We were kind of talking the whole time, and they were laughing at me, going nuts whenever the Braves were doing good stuff because we were winning 7 nothing. And uh, anyway, like, towards the end of the game, I'm like, I'm buying them around. If, it, it, hey, if we win, I'm buying your next round of big beers or whatever. It's fucking yeah. Mexico. It's cheap as fuck. Whatever. And I am just <laughs> hammered. Braves win. And I don't find this out till the next day. I bought their oh entire bar God. tap for the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Which was like over $200. Oh, Oh. Because apparently, whenever I went to go say, yeah, another round, they they came and brought it, and I just said, apparently, fuck it, just get their whole oh tab. Gosh! And I told the waiter just to give me their entire tab, and I did not realize, I did not know that till the next day. Because also later that night, I puked about a gallon of beer in my hotel room into a trash bag. Cassie's just trying to sleep. You're over there hunched over. <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, I negotiated with myself oh. for two hours. I sat in the bed, sitting straight up, negotiating, like, you're not going to throw up. Oh, just sit here, yeah. let this that. ride. And then I went to the bathroom yeah. for about an hour. I was like, it's not going to happen. And then I was like, here it comes. It's happening. And That's I threw up like a, uh, yeah, oh, like a God. gallon of beer. And uh, it was just like the bag weighed like 10 pounds. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> of just braves world series beer and you're at a resort so the next day you felt like shit and you can't even really enjoy it can you or did you just make yourself i went out and got tacos (laughs) for lunch i just got up yeah i was like fuck it let's go get tacos i I mean it's just like i still remember the whole night i mean it's just the greatest night of my life like really well congratulations to the braves that's awesome coming from a pittsburgh fucking pirates fan jesus said brain babe Oh God, that team! That's my oldest childhood memory. I I heard Bill Simmons talk about (laughs) this. Uh, I had a guy on a Braves fan, and I I felt exactly the same way. When it got to seven, were you scared? I was scared. It was seven to nothing. I was like, "Uh, "This doesn't seem right." Not this. The Braves. Braves are going to fuck up. It's going to. This going to. In a little bit, it's going to be eleven to seven or something like that. That's what I was thinking. No. The whole postseason, I felt that way, even when the Dodgers, when we yeah. were about to beat the Dodgers, and I was like, I, this can't, it won't happen. And the whole World Series. But once Freddie Freeman hit that last that home run, those last three innings, I felt just like, I was like, we're, it was right, like Tom yeah. Hanks and League of Their Own. We was like, we're going to win. Like, I just knew it. I, it, it was incredible. Awesome. So, and I was just this drunk American in this Mexican <laughs> bar, the only Braves fan there, <laughs> screaming like screaming like like a warrior the whole time, running running up and down the aisles of the thing. And these Mexican dudes just 
laughing. I mean, if they're that good, if, you might yeah, get it again next year. I know a repeat is unbelievably hard, but I mean, they have a great team and and the good and their good guys that were got injured are coming back. Yeah, I mean, no, we can be, do it again for sure. Anyway, so. we, can, we can wrap this up. We, we got to sports now. <laughs> All right, one more time though. Remember, the Knuckle Breaker Bash is going to be in Kansas City on Friday, December the tenth. Aaron Marsh from Copeland is headlining. It's going to be great. Emory's going to be there. Aaron Sprinkle, Chris Keen, karaoke party afterwards. Go to emorymusic.com. Get your tickets. Uh, there's only 150, so make sure you get them soon. Uh, there, well, there's not 150 left, so you better get yours now. Luncher, are you going to come to that? Karaoke night? I don't think I can. It's Buddy's birthday, and I feel like I've missed so many I mean, What's one more, then? <laughs> what's one, oh, yeah. He's really, if you missed that many, he's really going to remember this kinda, one? Oh, there, uh, I guess there was one. He tells his friend <laughs> 50 years from now. <laughs> I guess there was one my dad came to. His therapist. <laughs> I feel bad. I actually feel guilty this year. So I don't think I'm going to come. Scott, thanks for hanging out no. tonight. Oh, dude, yeah, that was fun, my dude. My pleasure. 